All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Night City Council. My name is John John the Wise, and I am here. Council is in session with our honorable mayor. I'm sorry, my mayor. I'm sorry about that. Actually, that was you. That was your text message. <laughs> but the honorable mayor, James Hutt, is here. Thank you. The mayor of Balancetown. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me, as always, John John. Well, you know, uh, I want to try something different and have you on this time. It's true. <laughs> your eyes look beautiful at in this angle. I don't think I ever got to see the beauty of your eyes from the angle that... Did you get a new camera, by the way? Um, No, this is off my phone. Oh, did you get a new phone? No. I don't know what's going on. New iOS, maybe? I don't know. Uh, it's... Uh, I, I think the laptop camera isn't as good as my phone camera. Ah, that's what's going on. Long, uh, it's been... Uh, that's That's the trip, you know? Yeah. Phone camera is better than the laptop camera. The we've come very far, haven't we? <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Uh, this is the show where we talk about any recent DLCs that Artalsorian has, any news that we got coming down the pipeline, and of course, we answer community questions. And that's what we're going to be doing today. Today, we are talking about the newest DLC to drop. And what kind of DLC is this again? What what is it? What is the monetary value of this? It's free. free. Um, if you paid for it, you got ripped off. Yeah, yeah. Whoever charged you for this DLC definitely screwed you over. Uh, but you know that's how Night City is. If you're buying it as part of Interface Red, then then you got a um, a new uh, then you got a DLC with your DLC. I believe that the, the term is not for individual resale. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, like a cup ramen. Yeah, like a cup of yeah, like it comes in the pack. And you see it on there, and you're like, oh, okay. But you know what? The corner store right here by my house, they sell it individually. Wow, really? Yeah, man. But you know, I don't think I, I don't think I've been there. Like about that? No. <laughs> Yeah, they, no, it's the the one without the, the the cardboard's rectangle around it. Oh, I don't know. I just know that it says they that on the, there. The, and they, bear, the bear styrofoam cup version. Yeah, yeah. They just give you. They sell it to the individual wrapped ones, the individual saran wrapped ones. Yikes! Yeah, it's a mom and pop liquor store, dude. What what are you gonna say? What are you gonna say? You know what I mean? They call the ATF. Yeah. Wow, snitch. All right. Well, anyway, snitches get stitches, and so will your players after they face this new DLC called Hardened Mini Bosses: Break in Case of Power Gaming. It's true. It's part of the Breaking Case of Power Gaming series because someday I will write Hardened Bosses, and then that'll be that. And uh, Breaking Case of Power Gaming, I'm planning on continuing. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you kind of pulled out all the stops here. Uh, we'll get into it later. There are things removed. Oh, you have to remove some things? The stops. We removed the stops. The stops were removed. You removed all of them. <laughs> Not all of them. That's next time. Oh, gotcha. So there's a couple of spot stops, but, you know, a lot less than you would think. First of all, that art by Neil Branquinho, I think this is, uh, I think that's how you say his Beautiful. last name. Is that how you say it? Beautiful art. Neil Branchino. Branchino. Yeah, great guy. I'm friends with him on Facebook. Uh, that that female uh, figure, doesn't that look like Katana from Mortal Kombat? A little bit. A little bit. I, I, I see it like 100%. And she just, body. Did, 
I, I can see that. What is that she's got on her? Uh, is that just the cyber arm, or is that a linear frame inside of her? Um, well, she's causing some serious damage. Might be an internal linear frame. I don't know. Um, I can't actually see it right now. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. You were having some computer issues. Yeah, but, but you know what, James? You, this is how much you love the community. I offered to reschedule, and you said, "No, we're doing this. People need to know." What's you reschedule on. us to next week, then we're shooting it on Valentine's Day, and I don't oh, got time for that. That's right. That's right. You forgot when Valentine's Day was. I you forgot. Better, it was you better week. get yourself in here. You have a wife. Yeah, don't worry. I uh, I did everything in advance, and my wife and I actually had oh, a nice well. meal last night. So, but we're well, still gonna do something on Valentine's anyway. This is not the love connection. This is hardened mini bosses. All right, we're here to tell you how to make sure that your players hate you by the end of the day. Because you killed their characters. Speaking of the love connection, I'll see y'all next month. Maybe with something about that. Oh, little preview there. What do you got for us, James? I'm not no more than that. All right. All right. Just a little tease. I think it's self-explanatory. Wow. Okay. Just you're full of riddles today. Indeed. Indeed. Um, But let's, you want to do questions first, then talk hard mini bosses? No, uh, I believe we decided that we would do the reverse. Oh, that's right. (laughs) It's been a month. Hey, guys. Welcome to the show. Should we restart? No. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah, hard mini bosses is, is, was a lot of fun to write. We're getting to the, um, getting to the candy. You know, we ate the vegetables, we did the hardened mooks. We did the hardened lieutenants. Yeah. Now we're in the mini bosses, the stuff that um, can really be that top end of your introduction to your campaign, right? Yeah, that's right. Because a hard boss is useful as a pseudo boss for your initial game, right? Yeah. It's first antagonist that turns out to be like, I don't know, the the general or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the um? What is the TV tropes page? The Blackguard or something? Or the, the Vanguard? The the guy who's the antagonist who turns out to be an uh, ally halfway into the thing. The Vegeta? But he starts as the Vegeta. Yeah, yeah. The Vegeta. Um, they make great Vegetas. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vegetas are the best characters ever. Vegeta is one of the greatest characters of all time. Fight me with that, you know? No, Vegeta's great. Yeah. Loved I'm it. Not going to fight you on that. All That's right. a the losing battle i don't fight those i was ready to fight though just letting you know <laughs> what, are you, what are you drinking now we gotta know that's kind oh. of like show lore fresca. We're drinking fresca. Ooh, yeah, yeah. We, we drink the frescas here i like it i appreciate it i respect it uh We're let snack. me let me Delicious. talk to these folks about the hardened mini bosses oh sorry i didn't know you were giving us a tour of your <laughs> for those of you that don't know James was pointing a banana at me like a gun. Don't say that. <laughs> so these hardened mini bosses are meant to replace the mini bosses in the Cyberpunk Red Core rulebook. If you see page 414, as it says in this DLC, at a rate of one per three edge runners. So you've got an average game of like three or four guys, or maybe even five. You could do one of these mini bosses, maybe two if you really think you can challenge the big parties, like the fives. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that is the recommendation. Now, the next area 
is mini bo mini boss mini promotions. Right. So this is for people who can't wait. Um, because admittedly, it's going to be some time until I get to hardened bosses. I got other stuff to do. Uh, you know, don't want to just do a bunch of the same content back to back. I want to mix it up for you. Um, so with these things, if you them and you slot them onto the mini bosses, you get somewhat like boss difficulty. Certain, certainly, you get something equivalent to the current non-hardened cyber cycle already. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's that's an it's a tool you can use. It's a lever you can pull in case your characters play a very high power game, um, or they're heavily min maxed, and your campaign has gone on a moderate amount of time, so they also have that money resource. Um, or, you know, you want to play one of the weaker ones uh, because there some of these mini-bosses are not as good as the other parts of the mini-bosses, right? Um, or you want to play one without their defining feature and maybe you want to try to cobble a new defining feature together with some of these uh, entries. Yeah, or like, you could you could get like a pyro, and you don't want to use the rocket launcher because that's a big big you know creative choice as a GM. If with I the, am I with the cyber psycho, I cut you off, right? You said with the cyber psycho. Uh, no, no, with the pyro. Oh, pyro with the rocket launcher. Okay, <laughs> we'll get into their uh, their stats too, their stat blocks. But I actually really like this chart. Do you have a D10 handy, by the way? Yeah, I do. Okay. Roll me a D10. So this chart is actually really cool because they have fun little things that you can do. And you can even add it to, like, your little sergeants. You got a three? So three mm -hmm. is give them teamwork three and give them a team member of your choice. Teamwork is the executive, um, the exec special ability. And out of mm -hmm. three, that means they get to have one lackey of of your choice, right? Yep. So you just upgrade this solo and you're like, oh, you know what? This guy's an Arasaka solo. And he's like part exec, part solo, and he has a team member. Let's give him another solo that he's maybe teaching the rope. So it's like you just went from having one solo to two now, doubled up. Roll me again. I really like one, too, by the way. Seven. Seven. All right. Seven. Give them an EMP grenade and an athletic skill base of 16. Remember, base means you add that number, which is 16, to 1d10. And yeah. you, athletics is what you use to throw grenades. So not only do you give them the EMP grenade, you give them the ability to throw it accurately. Yeah. Yeah. So these are fun. We we like to do that just to, whenever we give a stat block a grenade just to make sure they can throw it. Yeah, exactly. That's, I actually like that. Uh, number one is increase one of their skill bases that is above 10 to 17. So that auto fire that was at 11 maybe, make that a 17. And now it's a far deadlier enemy than it was before. Well, when used with these, when used with these, it really only upgrades stuff that they already had high values in. Mm -hmm. Um. So it won't give them a new thing. It'll make them better at the thing they're good at. Exactly. Exactly. So I yeah. wanted, I wanted to work with, work within that, so as not to, uh, you know, 
imbalance the game. The whole point here is what is a balanced higher difficulty game for players who play power gaming characters? Uh, do you have a D6? I do. How many right. do you need? So there's six uh, hardened mini bosses in this DLC. So we'll roll a D6 a couple times and talk about the result. I like this. This is good pacing. Okay. You should remember. Five. A five. Okay. Uh, five, we have Hardened Pyro. The Hardened Pyro is a half solo, half tech. Their mm -hmm. weapons are an excellent quality flamethrower doing 3d6 damage and a poor quality rocket launcher doing 8d6 damage. That means it can jam on a one. I, I don't know what happens to a rocket launcher when it jams. Nothing. Okay. So just the misfires, basically. No. So then what it happens? It happens after the attack. Oh, that's right. The attack goes so off. If you have a shot rocket launcher and you only have one one rocket in it, you don't care if it's poor quality. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it. it's that disposable launcher. Because mm. um, poor quality. Uh, militaries, right? It doesn't matter if it jams. You weren't planning on loading it again. Yeah. Yeah. So with the combat awareness of four and a maker of two... You can do all kinds of nasty things. Uh, any of you guys that have played solos, you know what kind of stuff uh, solos can do. Imagine a guy with a rocket launcher doing 8d6 damage in a 10-meter circle radius. Once. He gets once. to do it once. Exactly. Yeah, because so, I think you made sure he only has one rocket. Yeah, because I mean, we're not trying to murder players over and over again. This yeah. is not a not the tone the uh the tomb of annihilation no it is not um uh, anything else that you wanted to mention yeah uh i wanted to mention two things on a stat block the first being that it's an excellent quality flamethrower mm -hmm. you can't get an excellent quality flamethrower in the core rules oh. the only way you get an excellent quality flamethrower is getting a tech to upgrade a flamethrower mm. So he upgraded uh, his own flamethrower, the idea. Because yeah. it's an exotic. A flamethrower is an exotic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the idea is he make her to upgrade his flamethrower, and he also upgraded that rocket because it's an incendiary rocket. Yeah. Here's so... the thing about it. Also can't get that without tech. Um, That's right. Because rocket only has access to um, smart, I believe. And... Um, armor piercing effect types otherwise let's uh let's uh promote this uh this mini boss roll me a d10 two increase their hp by 10 they now have 60 hit points so 10 more hit points for you to have to deal with and that matters a lot oh yeah oh yeah big time okay ten hit cyberpunk is way more than 10 hit points in another system yeah, especially when you have uh, enough armor down, you know, because you, you might get it bladed down to like nine or eight, mm -hmm. you know, something like that. Uh, okay, let's do another one. Roll me a d6 again. Reroll if it's a five. One. All right. The first one was fun. I like this one. Hardened Arasaka Assassin, another solo. Yeah, I did a little, I did a little pairing. I did the Militech Veteran and the Arasaka Assassin, you know, so you can... 
Yeah, well, why don't we talk about the two of them and what makes them different? So the Arasaka Assassin, mainly, both of them have 11 SP head and body. So did the Pyro, by the way. Um, so the Arasaka Assassin, excellent quality heavy melee weapon. And Martial Arts Strike. Both of them doing 3d6 damage, ignoring half AP or half armor. The excellent quality... Martial arts karate as well. That's right. Martial and arts karate. The heavy weapon to take advantage of the karate special attack. Um, and for the Arasaka assassin, this is really useful for ninjas. Yeah. Uh, this is the ninja stat block. Um, you pull this out when, you know, somebody needs to get attacked in the night. Yeah, melee weapon base 16, martial arts karate base 16 as well. That means they're going to be hitting, they're going to be doing damage no matter what. 50 HP, beefy, beefy enemy. And then on the flip side, we got the Militech veteran. The Militech veteran has 55 points of HP Mm -hmm. and has an assault rifle with shotgun under barrel. That's 5d6 both ways and a heavy pistol doing 3d6. Anything else? Um, I believe they have a muscle and bone lace. Grafted muscle and bone lace, all kinds of special ammunition. They increase their ammo, and then they have their um, HP. And then uh, I do believe they, they have a bunch of armor-piercing ammunition. Yeah, so all kinds both, of ammo. Both of these are great because a lot of hardened player characters like lots of armor. And both of these provide situations of how you can deal with armor. Uh, and, um, of course they work in different circumstances. Uh, the Arasaka assassin is really meant to be sent alone. Um, the, uh, the veteran works really well as a, um, as a sniper. If you just switch out some of their uh, stuff, um, I believe there even is a sniper as well. And I believe the sniper, there's a hardened sniper, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Let me find that person. Uh, they yeah, work yeah. with the veteran as like a combined strike force. Yeah, 45 HP, excellent quality sniper rifle with sniping scope, doing 5d6 damage. Excellent quality and the sniping scope is a total of plus two, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're a solo too. I believe you can use uh, your some kind of combat awareness thing to give you plus one as well, right? Yeah. He has enough to get plus two by activating it twice. Oof, oof, oof. oof. That's nice. So, yeah. So getting the ability to actually hit aim shots with the sniper rifle. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, each one of these mini bosses is dangerous in their own right. You mix in uh, some mooks in the middle of them that are just there to cause distraction, and you got a really deadly deadly enemy there uh i i think you're gonna see a lot of your players focus firing on this boss trying to get it out of there so maybe moving being smart about movement and cover if the if the boss is in cover then they have to deal with the cover or get in line of sight and they can't just ignore the mooks either so there's a great way to strategize with it yeah definitely um having these well you always want to play the enemies as intelligent um, especially if your players are the type of people that 
you're supposed to run these guys against. If they're a hardened player character, um, then they're basically saying, I want a tactical, intense combat game. And part of that is playing them smart. Um, these guys are really meant to reward smart play as well. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them have uh, a lot of them have extra skills to do that. Um, to more flesh them out in the back end. But um, another thing is that these guys make great NPCs um, at their tier or higher. Um, you know, you can give them a name, change up some of their skills, give them some extra skills, maybe roll on that boss upgrade table or not. Um, and they make perfectly serviceable um, NPCs. Yeah, I like the idea of having these guys in your back pocket in case your players decide they want to get frosty with like some of the local guards or local, you know, sometimes you put your players in a situation and you're like, you know, they're not stupid enough to to attack these people, are they? And then one of the guys decides to step up and you can go, well, I got some mini bosses in my back pocket. I would definitely not kill the players, but I would subdue that player you know what i mean maybe do like a brawling and just to hold them and then say all right everybody calm down i don't know what's going on with this guy you know what i mean i would only do that to them if they were starting to start a fight for a long help or something like yeah that. that's what i mean that's exactly but, uh, what i mean uh on the streets whatever that's game dude that's we're at war but i agree with you uh they work well for that um they make um they make great bodyguards. Every one of them makes a good bodyguard um, because it's like the um, it's like the anime Lupin the Third. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. Um, all the mercenaries in Lupin the Third have this thing about them that makes them unique and different characters. And for in order for a character to become memorable in this high combat game, they have to show themselves to be competent. Gotcha. In combat, right. Um, and these guys make great um, just uh, baselines for homebrew on top of, or um, you can sneak a couple in there in the in the player's food before they realize that they're fighting the same stat block. There you go. Uh, I would also be able to use these mini bosses as uh, allied NPCs. You know, they really strong allied NPCs. Yeah. I will say something. Um, you definitely want to worry about the GMPC thing. Sure, uh, let's talk about that. What do you? Because I use the GMPC thing all the time. I'd uh, love to hear your insight. Well, just for me, I need whenever I have them have an ally. The first thing I need to, I do is I make sure it's their idea to have the ally. Mm. If they ask a guy, "Hey, we can pay you. You want to ride with us?" That's hundred percent. You're warranted. Throw your hands up. The players just solved a giant problem for you. You know, when you're offered cake, eat it. Uh, however, uh, a lot of times you want to maybe send them into a bigger fight. And um, the GMPC problem for me comes when NPCs start taking spotlights from players. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you completely on that front. Whenever I use a guide NPC, they're always there basically just to facilitate the fun with the players. This is like my 
way uh it's he's like my medium and i'm able to talk to this npc and then the npc translates the things that i want to tell the players Mm -hmm. through the world through the context of the world yeah player uh, gm npcs that are fixers um make make a great um you know glue for parties that don't have any social characters and um but in general GM PCs that are high level solos, uh, then you start running into problems. Yeah, so no. These, these are the type of these hardened mooks. These would maybe be a problem if they were a GMP, GM NPC, because they can hit those cool, um, they can hit those cool headshots, right? And then your solo on your party is like, I wanted to hit that headshot. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're it's... not they're not like that, but it's in their head. You know, I want to be the cool guy. Everybody wants to have fun. Yeah, and we're already having so much fun creating this world for everybody. Right. As GMs that, uh, yeah, you got to let them have fun. It would be terrible. You got to let them on the head. We get to shoot them in the head. You got to let them. Exactly. Exactly. They got to do the fun, cool things. I had this one, uh, guide NPC. The players actually had to rescue him and he ended up like joining them in combat. And I gave him very basic, uh, you know, stats cause I didn't want him to overshadow the players. But just with the luck of the dice, this yeah. guy was a monster. <laughs> he was just headshotting everyone and killing everybody. And they were all like, dude, this guy's the main character. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, that's a that's a truth of role playing. Um, GMs are just better at rolling dice than players are. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we put in the time, we put in the effort, you know, the dice learn to love us. You know, there's a little Stockholm syndrome there. Yeah. They want to perform well. I know, right? These throwaway characters. <laughs> yeah. I, I never... I Oh, my God. I. You got to kill them. You got to kill the guy to NPC at some point. Oh, yeah. Either kill them or, or they or go away. They become best friends forever. Yeah. And then, it, then it's us. Yeah. And you can never get rid of them. And they start calling the guy to go bowling with him or something. Yeah exactly <laughs> non-stop hey cousin yeah 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 exactly <laughs> i don't need that all right so that's the uh hardened mini bosses you guys know where you can get it but if you don't you go to artelsorangames.com the downloads and dlc section you'll see it there make sure you guys go there check it out download it for free have it it's a free dlc ladies and gentlemen i think i, I think i could convince you to put a link in the description yeah definitely definitely I, i'll see if i can do that for me? For you and those beautiful eyes of yours. Uh, are you ready for some questions? Let's get some questions out of the way. Yeah. Paper. Everything's good. Uh, um, by the way, I forgot to mention last episode, if you guys have questions, johnjohnthewise at gmail.com. That's where you can leave questions with me, and I'll have it for the podcast uh, and show. Uh, this is also on a podcast, if you guys didn't know. But anyway... Uh, let's get straight to it. The first question of today, can a stat be lower to zero? And what does that look like for each stat Berg? Uh, I don't think you have to go through each stat one by one, but maybe some examples of what a zero intelligence would be, or if, even if that's possible. Um, so you can get some stats lower to zero. Um, I believe the asphyxiation rules involve that. If you're asphyxiating in space, that's how you die, I think. Mm. Um, otherwise, um, 
all of the effects that lower stats um, that aren't uh, binary um, in the system, aka, uh, so some of the drug addictions lower stats, mm-hmm. but you can't get double addicted to a drug, so you can't reach a zero via them, because I, I worked that into the math, so that mm-hmm. couldn't happen. So you designed uh-huh. it, unless uh, the GM does like some kind of homebrew. There's yeah, no, without no home, I don't think there's a way to do it. Uh, um, you might be able to do it with a combination of addiction and um, ad- an already low stat in addiction uh, and critical injuries. But even then, the critical injuries are theoretically temporary. Gotcha. Um, so really the lowest you could be programs, all of the net runner programs that lower your stats, oh. uh, say that this, the effect is psychosomatic, um, and leaves no lasting effect. So l- really the lowest you can go is one. I think mm-hmm. in most games, this is one of those edge case questions. That's fun just for shop talk, just to know, Oh, this is what happens, you know? Um, the place it really happens and matters in gameplay is asphyxiation in space, um, which, you know, you're a really cool, you're a cool GM if you're in space because you did a bunch of homebrew and um, that rule is pretty set out for you in, a, I don't know which page, but they'll find it. You can find it. The PDF, hit that search. Right. Okay, so uh, rules as intended, you intended for stat to not ever go to zero, basically. Not really. Um, move. If move is at zero, you can't move. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I mean, it affects your stats. Uh, I don't think having an int at zero will make you stop functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, because most of it is the ink is temporarily at zero. You know what I mean? Yeah, or it's uh, like fallout when you when you have a low intelligence all your your conversation choices are like i go here you go there throughout the entire game i i love flow in playthroughs of fallout uh <laughs> they're 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 my favorite That's you funny. get the barbarian or whatever stuff this is neither here nor there no uh i would say you're in a homebrew situation at that point um likely so that's up to you. Um, what you want to do with that? If you're at zero move, you can't move. Um, for all the other stats, you're likely there because of a net runner program. Um, in which case, don't worry, it will wear off. Um, act as normal until then, uh, unless you're asphyxiating in space. In which case, sorry, buddy, you're asphyxiating in space. That's, that's it. a that's a bad look. Uh, no don't good. do. That. Um, I believe you can get back into the airlock. We don't like do the air pressure. And then I was blown out of the airlock 10 million miles. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get what you mean. The vacuum of space, the vacuum of, we don't have a vacuum of space. Insta death rule. It's not an actual vacuum. <laughs> because you know, okay. Uh, uh, let's, let's move on. Next question. How about that? Yeah. Uh, can can drones being controlled by demons evade melee or ranged attacks? So the idea is just like how net architectures work, the demon can control a turret 
let's say theoretically this demon can control a drone and I'm going to attack this drone with a melee or ranged attack. Can the demon dodge these attacks? What would it use? Does it use its interface? What do you think? Um, I believe that they don't. They believe maybe. Um, it's listed in the uh, damn. I need to find this now. Let's see if I can find it while we talk. Go. Yeah, they get a combat number. That means they defend with their combat number. That's right. You add a D10 roll to this combat number. So yeah, uh, an oh. imp has a 14. Ifrit has a 14. Balron also has a 14 as their combat number. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, so the idea is you roll 1 D10 uh, plus 14, and that is their evade skill. Mm-hmm. And that's how you can determine. Yeah. Um. There you go. I think that answers it. Yep. Yeah, that does. Okay. Uh, next one. This is also from Berg. I figured. Uh, bu- 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 let's see here. Oh no, sorry. That's that's just one of. That's not it. Never mind. We're moving on. This is from Empty Dingo. Okay. Here's the situation. Cyber arm with two heavy SMGs installed. Four out of four spaces used. Can these be SMGs? Can these SMGs be fire linked, firing at the same time at the target? No. Would mounting smart gun links and targeting scopes do it? So basically, they want to know if they can oh. just slap two SMGs together and get a higher rate of fire. This is homebrew. Yeah. No. Not as raw. Yeah, not as raw. You're welcome to do it as a game master if you decide to. James has stated in the past. If you change the rate of fire of a weapon and increase it, you're doing exponentially more imbalanced actions than if you were to do something else. That's like one of the cardinal sins in 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 balance, basically. So let's um let's let's step forward here because we're talking about heavy SMGs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a ROF of one. Um, a heavy SMG still only shoots a 3D6 single shot. So if they want to shoot 3D6, 3D6, and they want that to be their tech upgrade for that item, then that's not imbalanced because a 3D6, 3D6 weapon is just two heavy pistols. So it's two D3-6 at a rate of fire one with a tech upgrade. What? Two D6. Two no, sorry, six d six. I said it all wrong. In two ROF, three d six, and then three d six. So pew pew. Okay, so you're saying that if I slap two heavy SMGs, I do get a rate of fire to three d six. No, I'm I'm saying that if you chose to allow a tech to do that using their ability, my ruling would be, yeah, that's fine, whatever, man. Gotcha. So. It's not- Unless you increase the auto fire. If they want to increase the auto fire from three to four, yeah, that's broken. Mm, wow. So as long as you're trying to increase the ROF and not the auto fire, then it's not broken. Okay. Uh, and this is all, this is all, you know, if you want to do a different ruling, it's your table. Yeah. Like you, uh, you have said before, the maker ability kind of lets you do 
anything you want, but you can break the game. Yeah. Um, that's why in Jesus, <laughs> they're so mad there's at you. Ta- there's a Taekwondo studio out they there. Don't... And oh. Parents trying to their kids from Taekwondo. Uh... It's there's definitely not enough space to pick everybody up. So there's there's some road rage. Yeah, that's a little road rage in the oh, background. Yep. So do people get in Taekwondo oh, fights in the parking lot? <laughs> I've not. <laughs> I would imagine the kids are well, de- well. <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ! Oh man, that's so funny. It's all right. We're gonna wrap this up soon, anyway. Let's try to answer one more question. How about that? Yeah, let's do one more. Uh, this is one from Berg. Can a tech upgrade a piece of cyberware while it is still installed on a person, or does a tech need a med tech to remove the cyberware, and then they upgrade it and re- and does the med tech need to reinstall it? Uh. No, but you probably should because the guy's going to have to sit there while you improve it the whole time. There you go. Um... <laughs> you probably should get a med tech because you don't want your patient sitting there for the hours and hours it takes to upgrade it. So you technically don't have to if they're willing to sit down like a tattoo session. Yeah. Know? It's like tattooing. You remove it and then do the job and then if you could remove your arm to get it tattooed, wouldn't you? Yeah, I know, right? Wouldn't dollars extra save you like Call six hours? Call me when you're done. Call me when you're done. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one more from Cyberpunk. We have some time. How do I shoot around a human shield and what happens if I miss? Do I accidentally hit the human shield? Sounds uh, like called shot, right? Called shot. It's You have to make a called shot to the head. Minus eight. Or any kind of called any called shot is a minus eight. So let's say their head their head is protected, even if you want to hit the guy behind, right? I believe it says specifically head. Oh, really? So in the it's the shoot the guy in the head thing from an action movie. Uh, is this while holding? Because I I was led to believe, or I had thought that called shots mean any mean called le- shot. I, did I lie to you? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Why, why are you lying to me, James? I was led to believe something else. I do. Um, I thought any called shot is a minus eight. Like you want to hit the hand, you want to hit the foot. It is. It is. It's okay. the same. Okay, so that's what I was getting at. So let's say if you want to hit anybody that's holding a human shield, you'd have to make a minus eight uh, modifier hit. And uh, what happens if they miss? Do they hit the human shield, or is that some kind of homebrew? Um, I gotta find the human shield tech. It'd probably be in brawling. It is a brawling, I believe. Yeah, it's in that area. Uh, Friday night firefight. Uh, Thursday night throwdown. Tuesday night tussle. Shields, human shields. One eight. So. So you get a human shield because you're the attacker in a grapple and then you use your action instead of doing a choke or a throw to equip the defender as a human shield. Mm-hmm. If you're not already wielding a shield, use the same hand you're using to grapple them. Um, while you wield a human shield, you're considered to be in cover. Um, ah, so you can't target you cannot target. You must target. The human shields are more unwieldy than typical shields. Because of their squirming, human shields cannot be used to block melee attacks. 
or ranged attack specifically targeted at your head using an aim shot. Gotcha. So that is specific to the human shield. There we go. We got to it. So if you want to hit someone with that has a human shield, they're considered in cover. You can you do not have line of sight technically on them. You have cover. They're in cover, but they um, there's a special caveat for shooting people in the head. Or a melee attack. Or a melee attack. Yeah. So those are the two ways to get around a human shield. One of the things human shields are pretty good at explosions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're pretty good defenses against explosions. And you feel real John Wick when you're doing it. Yeah. You sure do. Surprise. Okay. I don't hear a lot of talk about them. So that's a deep cut. I appreciate that yeah. question. Yeah, it's a good one. I, I love the human shield thing. I go heavy brawling on my characters because it's fun. Uh, all right, here we go. How do special ammunition such as incendiary ammo interact with objects such as cars? This is from Eraser. Okay. Let's look. Please. So glad that car stopped honking. I know, right? I'm sorry, you gotta edit that. Yeah, man. We're, we're sorry, guys. I mean, I'll try to edit it as much as I can. Okay, so incent. He wants to know incendiary or any kind of special ammo. Let's say we know what it does when you hit a person, but uh, how does it interact with the world around you? If I hit, so piercing is designed to ablate armor, not SP. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever you would ablate armor, it specifically calls out armor. So you don't get extra SP on surfaces. It's for armor. Yeah, it's not. It's not going to give you anything extra when it hits a table. It it pierces armor. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's- It'll go straight through. But let's say like incendiary round, you hit a table. Table's on fire. You know, to a target through their armor. So, if you're shooting a car. Mm-hmm. And the car has a source of uh, of SP. It would not be ignited. It, no, incendiary ammo is specifically for shooting people mm-hmm. and having them fire because it has to hit cloth. Okay. What about uh, EMP? I would, I would... EMP, I believe, specifically says anyone hit by air attack, anyone, that's not cover. It's a person. Um, yeah, because it specifically calls out cyberware. Now, this being said, that's rules text. If somebody wants to use an EMP grenade in a cool way at my table, hell yeah, you can use an EMP grenade in a cool way at your table. Um, sort of your job as a GM is to take the rules text and interpret it into gameplay. And uh, those parts are left deliberately vague because who knows if somebody says, I want to throw an EMP grenade at the Gundam, is it going to work? You have every right to say, no, it's not going to work. It might turn off left thruster, you know, but um, it's also impossible to design a mechanic for every single situation. Right. And definitely terrain. I got to I got to rely on a GM for that. I'm as the game designer, I am relying on you the GM to adjudicate terrain. A lot of the times that's why there's terrain concepts in the modifiers. Um, but when people say, Oh, I want to use my incendiary, uh, to light this brush fire. 
you know mm-hmm. you it was it did it rain this morning you know you can always dodge right yeah yeah see my own personal when your players say them have a chance of derailing something that you spent a long time on yeah and um if their answer to everything becomes i set fire to it that's not a fun game to play in either and yeah it... it's the dead of winter <laughs> it's i've snowy. done i i did that in um i did that in the game i played in middle school you know it just there was this one guy who just wanted to set fire to everything god damn it <laughs> Everybody found it annoying, and I didn't know any way to tell him, "Hey, man, that's not cool." Because I'm in middle school. Yeah, I'm this person like I'm an adult. Yeah. Um, so it was like, no, it just rains. It, it rains. It's raining so hard you can't even make a fire. Oh my dude. god, so hard right now you can't even <laughs> hear your. <laughs> the um, elevator so loud. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. I, if you guys are interested in my insight when it comes to like making decisions like that, like if you guys fire, if one of my players fires an incendiary round at a table and I feel like, let's say the table had 15 hit points and he did like 12 hit points of damage. I might just in that moment go, you know what? I'll give him the extra three and the table's on fire now. And I'll give the whoever's behind cover, like you have a chance to like dodge out of the way or you're going to be taking a little bit of damage. Or if I need to make a decision of whether something's on fire or not on fire, I'll roll 1d10. And depending if it's high or low number, I'll go, you know what? Okay, yeah, it is. The dice have decided that this random event has occurred. You know what I mean? So yeah. that, do stuff like that, in my opinion. Yeah. And from a game design perspective for me... Um... I've watched a lot of people play games, studied it. Um, terrain rules are the number one rules that GMs forget. And their parties aren't worse off because of it. Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. that big of a deal. At the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal, except the one time it is cool and they bring it up and it adds their game. And honestly, at that point, it was just an ad lib mm-hmm. and that's a good... Uh, you know, the game designer didn't write that in. <laughs> You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, that's the that's the magic of having a, a, a human GM your game, and not you're not playing a video game, right? Exactly. That's that's what makes it better than any video game because you never know what you're gonna get, and you never know what's gonna happen. I'd say it's better than any video game at communal storytelling, which is the whole point. Oh yeah, For, exactly. I won't say. I mean, you can't give the feeling of speed that a racing game has at your game table. You're just not gonna get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, some it. I won't. I won't shit on video games entirely. No, no. Everything has its place. Utile storytelling. Yeah, we got them wrecked. No, we're sitting by the fire talking about stories. That's what we're doing. It's basically campfire talk. That's what mm-hmm. we're, we're we're capturing. Uh, all right, James. Thank you so much. I think uh, we had a great session of the council. Council is adjourned, ladies and gentlemen. James, is there anything you want to tell these folks before they walk out of the uh, the room? Yeah, I just wanted to say um, I love reading the comments on these videos. Uh, makes me feel happy. And um, thank you for leaving a comment. If you left a comment, I definitely read everything. And um, I care about you. Stay safe.
yeah same here thank you guys so much for the love and support thank you for getting me to 4,000 subscribers uh, thank you to Artel Sorin and James and everybody I really appreciate you guys uh, supporting and being there for me and we got some more stuff down the pipe so don't worry this is just the beginning hope you guys have a wonderful week we'll see you guys on the next one take care and bye bye bye